0: Hi, I'm Justin, and I'm Josh, and we host the Pretty
1: Okay Gamers Podcast. Think of our show as water cooler conversations with a little less gossip and a little more geeking out. My Halo, I think, is Legend of Zelda. What? No way! No! Who are you again? I'm Justin, and we're we're rather (laughs) okay at playing pretty good games. No, no. Every week, we talk about games and their history, and even ask ridiculous questions like, are open world games even good? So come join us every Sunday on the HP Gaming Podcast Network. See you there. See ya.
2: This show is part of the retrozap.com podcast network. Hey, yeah you. Did you know that Arcast is on Patreon? Go check out patreon.com/arcast for ways to help out the show and get some sweet perks in return. It could be something small such as our $1 tier to show your support or join one of our higher tiers to get a shout out, pick an episode topic, or even be a part of the show as a special guest. Even just sharing our show to your friends goes a long way. Once again, that's patreon.com artcast. Thanks for helping us, and keep it retro. I got
3: a pocket full of quarters, and I'm headed to
2: What's up, Argonauts, and welcome to another Retro Gaming Podcast. This is episode 208 of the Rcast. I am your host, David Gilson, and with me are a bunch of very special guests here uh, for our Pac-Man 40th anniversary episode. Uh, Starting off here with Jerry Buckner, who is one half of Buckner and Garcia that came out with the hit single, Pac-Man Fever. How's it going there, Jerry?
0: Going terrific. Appreciate you inviting me on the the program.
2: Absolutely, for sure. And also with us is Tim Lepatino and Arjan Terpstra. Uh-huh, who are uh, coming out with something very special, Pac-Man related? How's it going there, guys?
1: Good. I'm doing well.
2: Uh, so I figure, like, before we get into like the news, did you want to talk about like this like announcement that's coming out uh, when this episode drops on Friday?
1: Absolutely. Uh, Arjan, you want to take the lead, and I'll jump in.
3: Yes, that's okay. Thank you, Tim. Um, yeah, so we are announcing a, a book on Pac-Man. Uh, we're doing an official, officially licensed book with Bandai Namco. It will be published by Kookenbekers, uh, a publisher in the Netherlands. Uh, I'm from the Netherlands too, and uh, both Tim and I are working on this big volume, uh, full color uh, book that will be available uh, in the fall. Um, and we're doing a lot of research on that, and we will talk about it later, I guess.
2: Yeah, for sure, for sure. So definitely very excited for that, and certainly in time as well for the 40th anniversary here on Friday. So it's really cool there. Uh, but first off, we want to get into some news, uh, starting off with the big news here, actually, that Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 are getting remastered. Uh, so it says here, like from The Verge, that Activision announced a new remaster collection that brings together the first two Tony Hawk's Pro Skater games in one modern package with new features like online play and a more robust course builder. And it'll be coming to the PS4, Xbox One, and PC via the Epic Game Store on September 4th. And um, as far as like what it includes, uh, it will feature updated visuals, all the original levels, characters, and tricks, extra challenges, a more elaborate create a park mode where you can share custom skate parks online and brand new online multiplayer modes along with local multiplayer. Uh, on top of that, the games will also include the vast majority of the iconic soundtracks, which is really cool because um, that's like something I was really curious on, especially with like licensing. So it does seem that they were able to get the majority of those tracks in there. So, Tim, let's have you start off, actually. Uh, how excited are you for Tony Hawk Pro Skater? Is, is this like a franchise that you followed before?
1: A little bit. I actually had some friends who worked on some of the original Tony Hawk games, so mm. uh, it's cool to see that that work uh, continues under other people. But I'm curious to see if uh, Tony Hawk is going to be as involved with these as he was in the originals. Because I don't, you guys may know this, but I guess he's pretty hardcore about making sure the games are great, and he really he doesn't just rubber stamp it and put his you know his name on it. He right. he really gets in there and he plays it and gives them actual like serious feedback, which is totally awesome, and I appreciate that, because I would imagine not everybody whose name is on a video game. Like, I don't think Tommy Lasorda played a lot of Tommy Lasorda baseball.
2: Right, exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's kind of the thing about Tony Hawk, like, he, he does get very, uh, very, you know, like, involved in these types of projects, and, like, it's, you know, obviously with his name on it, like, he wants to make sure that it represents him and also the sport of skateboarding very well. Um, so it's very important to him in that regard. But because uh, I, I, I did see him actually on the Joe Rogan podcast, actually, and he was, you know, he was like promoting the game there. I know, so he definitely seems like he's getting more involved with this as time goes on. But Jerry, I was kind of curious, like, have you played these games at all yourself, or
0: classic games like Pac Man and all those?
2: Uh, well, Pac Man certainly, yeah. Um, but I'm not sure if you played any of the Tony Hawk games at all, or
0: <laughs> oh, the Tony Hawk games. I'm sorry, I didn't know you were referring to. I have to say I have not. No, I'm sorry.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. No, it's all good. Um, I mean, it's certainly a far cry from Pac-Man for sure. Um, but it, it is kind of funny like to kind of see uh, how long that this franchise has gone on for. Certainly not as long as Pac-Man has. Um, but it certainly holds like a lot of memories for a lot of people. And certainly with like, the soundtrack, as I mentioned before. Uh, that is something that a lot of people are very excited for is, you know just to kind of let you know be able to hear those, those same tracks again, uh, be able to go through like the same courses again, uh, but all with the updated visuals and all the robust uh, online features and all that. So it's really really cool to see that. So we'll definitely wait and see on September 4th when that drops. Uh, but like another new story we wanted to touch on here as well is in regards to Arcade One Up, uh, which we talked to on the show before. Uh, so apparently their sales have been spiking actually in light of the coronavirus. Uh, so it says here from Yahoo Finance, actually, that in less than two years, the company sold its one millionth cabinet, and also that sales have surged 96% week over week since March. Uh, now, I've personally been seeing some friends of mine on Twitter and other social media platforms uh, actually showing that they've been picking up these cabinets lately, and uh, it's really cool to see that RK1UP is doing well, although it is in you know, kind of darker times, basically, when people are holed up indoors and they need something to keep them entertained in that way. Um, so at least there is this option in, in this case. So, uh Jerry, I know there is actually a Pac-Man cabinet. I think there's a couple of them, actually, because there is the stand-up cabinet as well as a cocktail-style cabinet. So would a Pac-Man cabinet, uh, you know, that can actually fit in your home be something that's of interest to you?
0: Well, I had, uh back in 82, Nintendo gave us two games, and they were they were not. They weren't the full stand up, and they weren't the the cocktail sitting. They were kind of in between. I don't know what the what you would call them, but they were not quite as big as the regular uh, arcade games. But we had those. They gave them to us, and we had them for you know a couple of years, and ended up uh, donating them for a charity event. Oh wow!
1: Those are the cabaret style ones, right?
0: I'm sure there's a name for them. I, I don't know, but they were like I say, they were smaller. They were still they were fun to play. They were stand up and great games, but they weren't as big and uh Honestly, I I am not that good at these games, and never was even at Pac-Man. To be honest with you, uh, and you know Gary and I played them. You know that's how we come to do the song because we got playing in the game. We got hooked like everybody else. But, of course, uh, you
2: had that Pac-Man fever.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and so that's how the whole thing came about. And and I Gary was probably better than I was at it, but I enjoyed it and everything. But I probably uh, I had a pinball machine too that I I like I like pinball because it's kind of you never know what's going to happen um
2: yeah the,
0: in asteroids i always enjoyed asteroids i don't know i guess because i love the sound effect
1: jerry if you were a, a better pac-man player you probably wouldn't have written that song
0: <laughs> oh yeah yeah well do you remember guys i don't know if you remember you remember people used to set quarters up on the machines to play them back when it was going i mean it was such a hot thing it was unbelievable
2: Yeah, that was kind of the arcade etiquette, really back then. uh, As far as like having the quarters lined up on the screen itself, so you knew it was your turn next. So yeah,
0: yeah. And uh, I mean, it was just you know, it'd be hard. Actually, got to where it's hard to get on a machine unless you were you know, find a bar out in the middle of nowhere. But
2: right,
1: (laughs) it's my dream to. I'd rather have the full size cabinet, but uh, you know, the size of my place doesn't really uh, hurt it. You know, I think those uh, those cabinets are really interesting, especially in that like there's multiple sizes now. You know, you can get it with the riser and, you know, these are pretty tall, but they're not full size or you can kind of shrink it down, make it a little bit smaller. I actually did uh, order one of these and it's it's on its way, apparently. It's on a truck right now. It's the uh, 40th anniversary Pac-Man cabinet that's got multiple of the uh, Pac-Man sequels in it, mm. mostly because, you know, so I'm doing this project 365 of Pac-Man. and basically experience some form of Pac-Man every day for the entire year of 2020. You know, part of my goal was to play every arcade game in its in an actual environment, you know, belly up to a real cabinet and play. But, you know, with coronavirus shutting down most arcades, uh, you know, I had to stop at Miss Pac-Man. So this is my plan B, play some of the other Pac-Man games. So I you guys know exactly what I think of it after I get a chance to probably assemble it myself. <laughs> then, for sure, yeah.
0: I, I've got a question for all you guys. Yeah, how long will it be till there's a video game called Coronavirus or COVID? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How long? How long till somebody comes up with that?
2: I mean, I've seen someone actually make a ROM hack of, I think Space Invaders. I want to say where it was COVID related. Actually, like where it actually said like Coronavirus, and those were like the barriers you had to break through in order to get to like the actual Space Invaders coming down, um, which are obviously kind of made look like the virus itself, more or less. So
0: I had a fan uh, write me and say he could remember back when it were when there was a pac-man pandemic
2: mm. i thought that was pretty wild a little pac-man fear if you will yes absolutely too soon too soon yeah <laughs> you might have had something to do with that jerry i think so.
0: I don't know. hey don't blame us don't blame
1: us right <laughs>
2: exactly exactly and uh the next news story we want to touch on here as well is in regards to mike tyson uh bringing up his desire to bring back punch outs so In an interview with Shaq News, Tyson claimed that they were bringing the game back, quote, Hey, listen, we're going to start our Punch-Out game and our own Tyson Ranch computer game and bring it back to life, man, end quote. Uh, So Tyson Ranch is a cannabis licensing and branding company, of course, because it's Mike Tyson. And with this in mind, it may be difficult to reach a deal with Nintendo that usually endorses family-friendly games uh so aside from sponsorships and all that nintendo has not expressed a great deal of interest in the punch out franchise and even with the support of tyson uh so it may not be something that the company considers economically viable so from what i recall from the last punch out game which was uh, for the wii i believe uh i think that was 2009 i want to say that game did not sell super well, from what I remember, and so that's just, like, not a franchise I think Nintendo is really all that interested in going back to so it, it was really kind of a miracle, really that they added Little Mac into the Smash Brothers games, honestly, just because you know, it, it just wasn't it just didn't seem like that Nintendo just didn't have, like, much interest in going back to Punch-Out at all at the very least, they did give, like, some kudos to Punch-Out in that sense, but as far as I like, bring the games back, uh, that doesn't seem to be in their game plan, but um Arjan, let's have you start off here. Actually, have you played much Punch Out, or are you like a Punch Out fan at all?
3: No, 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 never. No, no. never. No. <laughs> no. Draw some blank with me. Sorry. I think I'm a bit of a pacifist. I don't. I never liked fighting games, like the the Street Fighter games or the the stuff like that. So interesting. And also in in like Batman games, I, I always like to drive around and fly around, but never sort of punch people. Right. Right. <laughs> so I play soccer games most of the times. Um, okay. And so like I'm the FIFA really games, different. basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm into pro evolution soccer now and regret it. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's my diet in in games right, right there. So so uh, no no punch out games for me.
2: Yeah, it's kind of funny actually that you call Punch Out a fighting game because you know because for like a lot of people it's actually more like a puzzle game actually because like you, uh, okay. you kind of have to figure out like the
3: um... that's how, that's how much I know about the game.
2: Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it certainly yeah. has like yeah. the guise of a fighting game in terms of like you know in terms of like boxing and having to punch the guys down and all that, but. You know, in terms of having like to read their movements and like know what to expect next, it's kind of like a puzzle in that sense they have to solve, you know.
0: I don't know about a game with Mike Tyson, but I saw the videos, the new videos of him coming back boxing for real.
2: Oh, yeah. The
0: guy looks like a monster again. I mean, absolutely. You know, I, I think he's going to be a, I think he can do it. I Maybe. Think he's
2: back. Maybe, yeah. Get him and Evander Holyfield back on or something. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I got a Holyfield story if you want to hear it. Sure, yeah. This is back, uh, you know, I don't know, several years ago. But I went to this big party thing, downtown Atlanta. And uh, t- a ton of people. And everybody's walking around. And I'm trying to get through the crowd. So I'm walking and, you know, people bumping into me. on turning sideways and everything. And all of a sudden, I bump into somebody, you know, and, and I turn around because, you know, like, irritated me. I'm tired of being bumped. Turn around and it's Holyfield. Oh, wow. And I'm like <laughs> Evander Holyfield. And he goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. I said, excuse me I certainly didn't mean to bump into you I certainly didn't mean to bump into you, you know? <laughs> and uh and, you know, he he he, he didn't really uh, laugh about it. I mean, you know, he didn't get mad or nothing, but I felt kind of weird. I, you know, he's a heavyweight champion of the world. And I'm running into the guy, you know?
2: Right. He's he's starting something up. there, Jerry? He
0: yeah. wasn't as big as you would think he would be for a heavyweight, but... Uh,
1: <laughs> Jerry's walking away, mumbling to himself, I could have bumped heavier than that. Right,
0: <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> Tyson bumped me harder than that. Huh? <laughs> That's crazy, though, yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess we'll uh, stay tuned and see what happens uh, with Mike Tyson's pursuit of punch-up. I think if he is going to pursue this, it will be something that's not punch-up and maybe, like, punch-out-like, just without the licensing, obviously. So we'll wait and see on that. Welcome! And the next part of the show here is What Are You Playing?, which is talking about games we've all been playing or have recently beat. So, Jerry, let's have you start off here, and then um, Tim and then Arjun. So uh, what have you been playing lately?
0: Well, I like to play backgammon. One of my favorite which is not a video oh. game I understand that yeah uh, but the only thing on video I play solitaire a lot uh, that's I love that game
2: hmm it's a PC classic <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah well I mean that's that's you know that's a I play it on the phone when I'm sitting watching TV because the TV's boring so I play solitaire but uh, mm-hmm. you know I haven't played any video games in in a while don't tell anybody cause,
2: yeah uh, well I think your secret is uh, safe with uh, us yeah oh <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah I won't leave this conversation right <laughs> Yeah. Ignore the man behind the curtain. Thank you
2: very much. There you go. Yeah. I'll be there, Tim.
1: The last thing that I played, I was playing some uh, original NES stuff. And I have a uh, retro USB uh, NES that plugs into my TV with an HDMI. So it's, mm. it's all beautiful. And I actually was playing... Out with my daughter the other night, explaining to her it's harder than it looks, and just explaining boxing, which was kind of confusing. She's eight, right? <laughs> but, uh, we were playing that, and then I was playing a new game for the NES called Project Blue, which is a, a homebrew game mm. by a couple of folks that uh, I backed it on Kickstarter a few months ago. And it's a, it's a, it's more like a Mega Man style game the graphics are absolutely unbelievable they're really really cool but it's hard and it just reminded me how much i'm not that good at Mega Man style games (laughs) but uh, but it's pretty cool it's always neat to see some of these games that people are making you know using modern development tools for you know 20 30 40 year old uh, systems which i think is a really fun thing to see like do you translate gameplay that like it was meant to be in that era, but you sort of bring a modern sensibility to it.
2: So it was pretty fun. Called totally. Project Blue. Awesome, awesome. How are you there,
3: Arjan? I'm playing Pro Evolution Soccer right now, so I'm I'm trying to to find my bearings in the uh, uh, campaign mode. And otherwise, uh, I've been playing Uncharted 4, which was a free game oh. in the in the PlayStation Store, and I hadn't played it yet, so I I, I decided to give it a go. Mm. Awesome game, of course. Lots of mobile games and Switch games, so yeah.
2: Sounds good. Uh, as far as what I've been playing, uh, I've been playing Yakuza 3, actually. Uh, so ah, I've been getting into the, yeah. the Yakuza games lately, uh, starting off with Yakuza 0, absolutely loved it. Uh, the Kiwami games are also really good. Uh, so now I'm playing through Yakuza 3, which is more of a remaster as opposed to a remake, how the Kiwami games were. Um, So it does kind of feel like a step down in that sense. Uh, But um, yeah, I'm just kind of like trying to kind of get through it really for like the story context before I move on with the the rest of the games. Uh, Because I'm really excited for Yakuza 7 actually. That's definitely on my radar for this year. And uh, just want to kind of get through all the Yakuza games before that. So wait and see on that. But a game that you could play right now is Dig Dog on Switch. So I have a game code here for it. So Dig Dog is set in a strange abstract world inhabited by creatures of the night where players control a small dog who searches each level for a bone. The game employs a simple expressive control scheme, run, dig, jump, stomp, and dash using only the control stick and one button. Dig Dog is all about creative digging. Also, like I have like a quote here actually from the game developer Rusty Moyer, uh, which I thought was very interesting. Uh, he says, "On a personal note, Dig Dog was the first game I've programmed and drawn without using my hands. I have a repetitive stress injury (RSI) in my hands that limits the amount of time I can use a keyboard and mouse. Dig Dog was programmed by voice using a microphone and speech recognition software. I used a made-up spoken vocabulary to speed up the creation process." The art was all drawn using a hat with a reflector combined with an infrared camera to control the mouse. It was a challenge to make the game this way, so I'm quite relieved that it's now complete. So uh, That's a pretty incredible story, honestly, and whenever I hear like game dev stories, I'm always intrigued. But this is probably one of the most intriguing ones I've ever heard, honestly, so I just had to share that. Uh, And I do have a couple of game codes, actually, for here, so if you don't get one, definitely try the other. Uh, The first code is C02N. HRX6 NY3X T N three X and the second code is C02N HRX79WKF B M9Q. Again, that is Dig Dog on Switch. Enjoy and if you do redeem that, definitely let us know at our podcast on Twitter welcome back to the stage of history and with that we have the stage of history which is a celebration of retro titles that deserve a spot for better or for worse in the pantheons of history so i figure since we are talking about the pac-man franchise i uh, will talk about one of the games that i don't think a lot of people may have uh, played the arcades which is pac-land so uh, this is a 1984 platformer by namco the control scheme was inspired by konami's track and field using buttons instead of a traditional joystick the theme song from the Hanna-Barbera Pac-Man cartoon series it was based on plays in a constant loop throughout, and it is cited as an important and influential game in the platformer genre, paving the way for titles such as Alex Kidd, Ghosts and Goblins, Wonder Boy, and Super Mario Bros. Uh, so, Tim, have you played Pac-Lan at all?
1: Yeah, I have. Uh, I had people say that it's influential. I would find that, like, that three-button is kind of irritating Hmm. it's just like these these games hadn't made the jump to using a joystick and buttons i thought they were being overly clever i just feel like it's actually it makes it a way harder game oh yeah something like track and field like that's a sprinting type short game it just doesn't seem to like fit the same way i think it's a good looking game but i gotta say i'm getting ready to play it you know in the not too distant future here uh, (laughs) 365 of pac-man i'm i i'm not really looking forward
2: but. yeah because i feel like that if pacland was actually released today it would be an endless runner on mobile platforms you know totally totally oh that's a good idea actually
3: it, it definitely looks an ipad game for the, the colors it's very yeah like
2: yeah totally yeah it's totally kid-friendly it has like the colors popping and all that so yeah i could totally do like a new pacland uh just as like a touchscreen control game basically okay. so yeah yeah yeah, I could totally do that. Uh, Say, so, yeah, I mean, like I, I've I played like a bit of Pac Land before. I, I've always been like a tree just by like the look of it, since it was based on the Hanna Barbera show. Uh, I didn't grow up on the show personally, but I just like that look of Pac Man, and uh, that's certainly been like reused in other, you um, know, like merchandise and like, you know, another Pac Man like things basically, but. Um, yeah, but I always thought it was kind of like a neat oddity really in terms of, uh, you know, kind of taking Pac-Man away from the, uh, like, you know, kind of like that maze style game that he's always known for.
0: It, it reminded me of the fact that I have played games, uh, recently different things, but one game I played when it was hot was the, uh, the, uh, bird, you know, uh, the bird game. Oh, <laughs> Joust? Oh. Bird. No, not Joust. Um, Angry Birds. World? Yeah. And we actually wrote a song about that. We had Gary and I, uh, Gary was still alive at that time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's how long ago it was. And uh, we decided to write, because we hadn't written you know, any game stuff for a while. So we wrote this song, but we could never hook up with uh, the people behind the game to get permission to do it. So it's a song that sits there, and, and virtually nobody's ever heard it. It was a really good song, but uh, it never happened. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but I, I, you know, I played some of that. I played, I guess I played some of those kind of games for, you know, off and on. I just forgot about, I, I know I got I played that Madden NFL game.
2: Okay. Madden. Yeah. Yeah. Oh
0: my gosh. I, I was lost in that. I mean, I, I got all excited <laughs> when I bought the games, man. I love football. i come home, you know, I go, whoa.
2: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, for sure. Um, so is that other song that you made, um, that you were like working on before, is that like sitting somewhere like in your basement or, yeah,
0: it's, you know, it's sitting, uh, you know, on my computer. And uh, Gary, of course, it was probably the la- one of the last things that he ever did before he passed away. Um, and, uh, yeah, we never, you know, we didn't release it because we really didn't have permission for the uh, sound effects. I suppose I've thought about, you know, people say, well, why don't you let people hear it? And I've thought about it, but I I don't know. I, I'd have to check with our attorney. I just don't want any problems with those guys. But um, the Angry Birds people, could never get a hold of them. Mm-hmm. Only time that ever happened, and all the stuff we've ever did, we never had any trouble getting permission or you know get, getting to the people. I, so we just uh, you know gave up.
2: So is it more like a CERN using the sound effects from the game? Is that it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Plus we're focused on the game and uh, using some of the, you know, the the lingo and so forth. But, right. Uh, I don't know. You just got to be careful nowadays. You know, it's a shame because, like I say, it's it's. I think it's a pretty cool song, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I, we may we may want to take. Maybe sometime we'll, t- if we find something else we really like, uh, might try to rework it in the song, but we really wrote it exclusively for that.
2: Would you possibly be interested in having the song make its debut on this episode?
0: Ooh, boy. I, I'd, oh, I'd have to think because, uh, you know, once it comes there, it's going to be everywhere. Uh, let me think about that and check with our attorneys. But maybe with another show or something, we could sure. we could do that.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, just like let me know as soon as possible. Uh, whenever I mean, because I think that'd be like a really cool find, honestly. Like for like a song that's never been released by you guys, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's a shame because it's a it, it was like I say, it was a pretty good thing, pretty good record in song. And I I'd like to release it. I would. I would like to release it. I just uh, mm-hmm. I don't want to get sued
1: want to make anyone angry right
0: yeah i don't want any angry birds coming after me when pac-man when we did the song which we did that before the album and the song was released in the fall of 81 and uh uh we we didn't have permission for anything we just uh and and back in those days there was no direct lines for anything if you wanted the sound effects off pac-man you had to literally the engineer had to go in and record them live you know Mm -hmm. go find a he had to go in the morning at at a there was a delicatessen close by he went in they had one in there and he taped it because there was nobody in there yet. It was early, so he could just tape the sounds and and get get the sounds. So we that was the records put together and put out because nobody had done anything like that. Right. Eventually, as it starts to take off, we knew we had to get a license agreement. So uh, our management people did, and uh, it was you know push and, push and shove kind of thing. But I mean, this was like a you know, this is a, a three-and-a-half-minute commercial for their product. I mean, they shouldn't have hesitated for a moment, you know. Now, when we did the album, it was different with each each song and company. Uh, we actually had a couple companies that just said, oh, yeah, just use it. And then we had a couple where we, you know, we had to make deals and so forth. Uh, so I don't know. I, somebody told me it took 24 contracts to get that, that album completely uh, licensed. And we suspect that maybe that's why it was never re-released on CD. Mm. Back when they were doing all the CD transitions for all the albums, but we have contractual uh, approval for it. But to update that, uh, I I don't know. uh, I don't know how to compare it.
2: I mean, there's definitely more uh, fair use in line as far as like using like copyrighted materials, especially in songs. Anyway, so I mean, you could certainly conceivably, I feel like anyway, release a song like that that uses those sound effects, but in a unique way where it can be used like you know within that context. You know.
0: Yeah, I would say it's probably, uh, yeah, I mean, people, I would say it's a lot, I guess you could say it's a lot easier now, simply because the whole system is different. I mean, the recording industry, the music industry is just completely different. I mean, it's not what it was. Mm -hmm. And so I, I guess, I guess maybe we could, you know, somebody else told us that we ran into that was dealing with the Angry Birds people. Uh, we told him the story, and he said, "I can't believe that they didn't get back to you." He said that he said they licensed anybody that asked them.
2: Right, <laughs> exactly. The merchandising is crazy for that property. So he said,
0: yeah, he said anybody that ask him. So I don't know if anybody out there knows the Angry Birds people. Uh, tell them we'd love to put the song out and get in touch with me and give us permission. I don't know if any of you guys know them, but
2: i mean i know it's rovio that's the studio that's behind angry birds um so yeah i guess like just a matter of like getting a hold of them or whoever is like the parent company because i think they're under a a bigger company um but yeah we could definitely look into that for sure and uh see if we can get the song finally released for you (laughs) you know
0: if you do that i promise you we'll release it on your show we're premiered here sounds good sounds good
1: what's up everyone I'm Chris from Weekly Games Chat. Along with my co-hosts, Sean and John, we cover the latest video games every Wednesday for your listening pleasure. We also make sure to rant about the latest movies, TV shows, and happenings in the sports
0: world. If you like the show, catch one of our live streams on Twitch, follow us on Twitter, or even take the biggest jump of all and join our community on Discord. All
1: found by simply searching Weekly Games Chat. Until then, I'll simply say game on in your mom's box.
2: That's going to lead us now to the main topic, which is looking back at 40 years of Pac-Man. So I can't believe it's been around for this long, but it has. So <laughs> um, so I figure we'll start off actually with what made the arcade original so big, uh, having it transcend into pop culture, basically. Um, so I just want to kind of start off, actually, with, uh, you know, as far as it being, like, a simple and recognizable design, I mean, like, everyone knows, like, who Pac-Man is, like, what Pac-Man looks like, and it's just very, like, simple-looking, like, as far as looking like a pizza with, like, a slice-out, basically, um, and having, like, the uh, the very iconic Waka Waka sound effects, like, as he's like, going around and everything. Um, But also like having that combined with like an easy to approach and addicting gameplay as well. I always thought that was uh, very much of a a sign of like the arcade games back then as far as like being like easy enough to pick up and play but hard to master. And uh, Pac-Man certainly seemed to like embody that as it was pretty much like the crown jewel of the golden age of arcade games back then. Um, and also, like as far as it being like popular with both men and women, uh, what was otherwise a male-dominated arcade scene back then. So uh, I actually had like a quote here, actually, from uh, Pac-Man creator Toru Iwatani, uh, who says, most arcade video games of the time were violent and focused on the male player. That's something that I think you'll appreciate there, Ajan. Um, yep. uh, so the game centers became places frequented mainly by men. Uh, we decided to change that demographic by designing games that can appeal to women and thus to couples, therefore making game centers desirable places to go on a date. So I thought that was very, very interesting uh, that that was his approach with creating Pac-Man. Um, so Arjun, let's have you start off actually with that. Um, as far as like your, um, you know, your first exposure to Pac-Man, uh, what was like your thought process back then?
3: Like the first time I played Pac-Man?
2: Yeah, basically.
3: I didn't get back that far. Okay. So, um... Well, I, I had this talk with, with Tim when, when we uh, started to work together. Uh, we were discussing a bit like, what's your history with Pac-Man? And uh, I explained the um, the whole Pac-Man wave that came over North, North America in, let's say, 1980, 1981. Mm-hmm. It didn't hit Europe like until a year later, and it didn't hit it with such force. Of course, we know Pac-Man and we have played Pac-Man, but... Uh, we didn't have like the arcade culture that was that was around it. So there's a little bit of background for for my story. And then I guess it must have been 1982 or perhaps 1983 when I was like a 10 year old boy and I wandered to my snack bar. We have snack bars here in the Netherlands, like they're they're the Burger Kings of of our world. Mm. Uh, very small places, people smoking. It's all brown. It's all people sitting there like first, hazy first, and first. everything. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> hazy and and lots of smoke in your filling your eyes and mm-hmm. people bake, baking French fries and stuff like that. So it's a, an unhealthy atmosphere. And then in the back there would be, you know, the the machines and you would go in there and um and you could play them. And that was Pac-Man and Mrs. Pac-Man. So that's that's really my first experience. And I could I can really remember uh, you know the thing that Jerry had put has put in his song the the, the coins burning in my pocket to, to mm-hmm. go back and <laughs> and play it so in that sense it's the same experience I guess like anyone uh, everybody else has, has had and in in terms of what makes Pac-Man such an uh, enduring game I think a lot of th- things have been summarized by you David um, and but I don't think we should underestimate what what happened back then you know and then women came to uh came to the arcades but it was a big 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 deal mm. um i uh i always look at at video games you know like a sort of there are three things that are important in sort of judging a video game that's the technology behind it the culture behind it and the and the business behind it and i think Pac-Man had you know had three strikes uh on those on those uh parts uh, where the, the the game design was just that good, the, the culture around it was that good, uh, and the business model was 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 very good as well. Just aiming for a new uh, target audience, that was way ahead of its time.
2: It's a very progressive kind of game, really. Kind of think about it. Yeah, sense. it was. It,
3: it was. Yeah, yeah. So nowadays, of course, we we're looking at demographics for games, and we say, you know, we have all these statistics saying, you know, look, like, there are more women playing video games than men, and we, you know, and we we have these casual games, and we have hardcore games, and stuff like that. Uh, that would have never happened be- uh, if Pac-Man uh, had not been been around. is my is my guess. It really kicked off the whole casual gaming thing. Mm. Uh, it really kicked off uh, opening this video games world to uh, to more people than young males, basically. Um, and that's yeah, that's that's quite something, I think.
2: Yeah, I mean, like, that definitely kind of feels like as well um, as far as like what paved the way to for Miss Pac-Man, because I know Miss Pac-Man was actually made by. Uh, I think like some people from Harvard or somewhere in Massachusetts. Yep. I know. Um, that kind of, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's MIT. That's right. That's right. All the um, MIT
1: guys are like, what?
2: Yeah. <laughs> 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 exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was just made by like a couple of people, basically just kind of making like their own version of Pac-Man. And they just kind of put like a bow on on him, and had like the eyelashes, like oh, it's Miss Pac-Man, and like it, like it does kind of feel like that sort of thing lent itself well, just because Pac-Man was such a simple like type of design that you could add those features to him and just instantly make a female. And because there was already, like, you know, enough, like, females who liked the original Pac-Man, um, I feel like it really kind of, like, spoke to them in that sense as far as, like, having that be, like, the proper sequel, really, to the original game.
0: Uh, you mentioned uh, Toru a while ago. Mm-hmm. I met Toru in 2015 in Chicago. Nintendo had the big 35 anniversary, 35th anniversary uh, party up there, and I was invited to come up there, and uh, they invited him to come over. He was there with a Japanese film crew and all that, and he couldn't... He had very few... English words, but we were able to talk through interpreters and so forth. Very nice guy. Mm-hmm. And, and the neat thing that happened was at one point we were standing there and people's kind of all around us, you know, and we're kind of whatever, trying to talk. And he leans over and in my ear, he, uh, very softly, he starts singing. He goes, you got Pac-Man feeble Singing <laughs> in my ear. And I thought that was so cool to have, you know, that. And he, I had him sign a poster uh, where he signed it, and he drew a couple of the characters, and wrote some something in uh, Japanese on there, and it's hanging on my wall. One of my uh, favorite things, you know. But that was a, a neat experience. And he actually, uh, we we did a little impromptu performance while we were there. They had a club called, I think it's still there, Level Two Fifty Seven in Chicago, and uh, so we did a little uh, thing, and people were dancing, and he comes out of the dance floor, and here he is dancing, you know. And this guy's, you know, <laughs> he's in his fifties. He's out there dancing and I thought that's, you know, that's pretty cool. I enjoyed, enjoyed that. He, very nice guy.
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's, it's, it's a really cool story. And like, honestly, like really cool that you're able to just have that experience with him in that sense. And also kind of showing to that music really is its own language, like where, you know, people just kind of like, they just kind of know the music and they just kind of like sing the words, even if it's not from the native tongue in that sense. So
0: maybe if the, maybe if all the leaders, the politicians in the world were musicians, uh, they could get together in a band instead of
2: fighting and having wars. You know, maybe they could. You might <laughs> just... be onto something there. You might be
3: onto something. What if a fight? Who would be the lead singer? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> It would be the, same, would be the same problem.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're right. They would be fighting over. There. So, Tim, how about you? As far as uh, first experience with Pac-Man?
1: No, I'm an '80s kid, so you know, I feel like I I've never had a part of my life where I didn't know who Pac-Man was. So, you know, I'm I'm just a little bit older than Pac-Man. So, uh, you know, I played the arcade game. Remember going into Pizza Hut and having the cocktail cabinets, Pac-Man and Miss Pac-Man in there, and going to Chuck E. Cheese and watching the the cartoon. So, I think that's one of the most interesting things for me is that you know, even today, you know, I feel like Pac-Man has just continued to follow me in my life and continued to be relevant in a way that other things, you know, that I liked, in, you know, 1981, 1982, mm-hmm. like, you know, Tron or uh, he Man, you know, things that are, you know, sort of a product of that time. Pac Man feels like it's kind of transcended that. So, you know, I've pac-man's always been right beside me and I think that's one of the fascinating things. When I was uh I think it was last year, I went to my daughter's school like for a career day and talked about what I did. I'm like said, Oh, I, I you know, help I write and I help design books about video games and how many of you play video games to a room full of, uh, you know, six-year-olds? And, you know, they all raise their hands. You know, I play it on my iPad. I play on my Wii, but, you know, all that. Yeah. I said, how many people know who Pac-Man is? And they all raise their hands. And oh, I, wow. I, was, I was blown away. I was just really surprised that, you know, they couldn't possibly all have nerdy parents like, you know, <laughs> kids have. Yeah. So, I mean, and that, I think that really spoke to me and said, hey, you know, there's something – Fundamental and distilled down both in the gameplay but also in the design of Pac-Man, you know, the concept and what Pac-Man looks like and almost like what Pac-Man means. And I think uh that just it travels really, really well.
0: Speaking about the kids, uh, I was in a restaurant just a few months ago, back when you could still go to a restaurant. Right. And uh <laughs> it was a fairly new restaurant, and the owner was walking around talking to the different people. He came up to our table, we're talking. He was a guy, you know, probably in his thirties, I guess, late thirties. And uh we're talking and, and somehow it comes out that I did, you know, did the record and he goes, uh, you know, I could tell he, you know, yeah, I kind of remember it because most people that I've found now it's, it's amazing. Uh, when I go places, I mean, I, I was at the doctor's office one day, some doctor's office and he found out who I was. And next thing I know uh, three doctors come in and go, we just listened to your song, you know? <laughs> and I had to, you know, sign autographs. I'm in there cause I got a problem with, you know, my throat and these guys, you know, and I, I've, I found all kinds of reactions, but anyway, this, so this guy leaves and goes back in the back of his restaurant. He comes back. He goes, "I am so sorry, I did not realize who you were." And he said, "My my son, I told my son that you were out here," and he says, "Oh yeah, he knew all about you. Eleven year old kid, he wow. knew all about us. Uh, he knew all about the games, and he knew, and he wanted to come out and meet me, and he did. And uh, I told him, I said, 'Hey, I'm nice to meet you. You're you know, you're one of my new favorite fans.'" And the, and we came there a week later again, and this kid had drawn a picture, really cool picture of Pac Man and doing all this stuff. And I've I've got it here. I put it in a little bit of frame for him. But I thought eleven year old kid, and that happens a lot. Uh, kids still love the songs. They still love those old games. Um, I know they love the new ones too, of course. But I mean, they still they still like. I don't know if it's sound effects. I don't know what it is, but they still are attracted to those games.
2: Well, I think just because, like, Pac-Man, as, like, a brand, has, like, just kind of stayed relevant for so many years. And it is kind of crazy, like, you know, again, with how long that this franchise has been in, like, existence for, like, 40 years today now. um, You know, as far as, like, how many games came out for it and just how relevant it kind of stayed. As far as, like, you know, especially with, like, the character, actually, because he was more recently added into, like, uh, to, like, the Smash Brothers games and also into the Mario Kart arcade games as well, since those are made by Namco. So... Uh, it's was, it was really cool to see that Pac-Man has still transitioned pretty much in that sense because uh, he, he pretty much dominated the 80s in the arcades. And then in the 90s, it seemed like that transition went over to like, the home consoles like with games like Pac-Attack, uh, Pac-Man 2, The New Adventures, and pac and time And then into the 2000s as well with uh, Miss Pac-Man Maze Madness, uh, Pac-Man Fever, and Pac-Man Championship Edition as well. So um, so definitely like, a lot of like really cool games. And I feel like with Pac-Man Championship Edition especially... Uh, That revitalized the franchise in a way that like a lot of people really, you know, kind of saw as like, oh, this is like the next generation of Pac-Man still kind of keeping true to what the original game was about, but like amping it up to 11 pretty much for for people who want more like Twitch based gaming pretty much. So uh, it it was really, really cool to see that. And, uh, you know, I figure we'll also kind of get into like some of our favorite like Pac Man games and memories as well. So, uh, Jerry, obviously, with you having made a song based on Pac Man, um, I'm not sure if you have any like particular memories either from making the song or from actually playing the game, uh, that you wanted to share here.
0: Oh, I, I have uh, a lot of memories. Uh, I would say probably doing, uh, appearing on American Bandstand was one of the highlights for Gary and I because, you know, we'd grown up watching that show and, uh, us to to do the show I mean I can tell you it was a funny story we get there to ABC and uh on that show they were they did six back then they did six show three uh three on Saturday three on Sunday every six weeks so that they didn't have to do them every day so we're there and and Huey Lewis and the news is there and uh, (laughs) um we're in the dressing room with our manager and Dick Clark walks in there and uh you know we're just sitting there it's like we can't we can't believe we're in there with this guy you know he's a legend Yeah. And uh, he walks over and sits down. We start talking. He's in a sweatshirt and jeans. (laughs) And uh, we're talking, you know, and heard the F word here or there. And go, whoa, you know, come on, Dick. (laughs) Think of the moms out there. Come on. (laughs) I thought the suit was attached.
1: I didn't realize you wore anything but a suit.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was, I mean, he was, you know, it was like, wow. It was just in that famous voice, you know, you're hearing it in person. It was so It was so wild. So we're sitting, so we're there. And he says, okay, you know, he said, look, we're going to, know we'll do your first song and then i'll come up and we'll do a little interview thing and you know i'll ask you a couple questions and like and and he threw out a question you know just like a little example question and we just stared at him. i mean we were were like we would we just couldn't speak and he goes guys it's tv you gotta you you gotta gotta talk and everything and say things and and it was just it was you know kind of embarrassing but it was so funny and so he leaves and said you know i'll see you guys on set so when we went down, they were walking down and I said to Gary, I said, look, I hope he gives you the first question, man. Yeah. <laughs> he gave me the first question, you know, mm-hmm. and it was just, I was so nervous. I didn't remember the uh, only time this ever happened to me. I didn't remember not, I couldn't remember doing the show. I mean, I knew I was there, but I couldn't remember what happened. I just knew that I said something people laughed and dick clark kind of turned around funny and i thought what stupid thing did i say and what i said is we mentioned akron ohio and he mentioned akron because it was a where the rock and roll began or whatever and i said oh yeah i said akron ohio I said simon perkins junior high school i have no idea why i mentioned <laughs> the junior high school that we went to on national TV. it's a shout out yeah <laughs> the funny part is after the show you know the kids can come up and talk to you a little bit before you leave them all and this kid comes up he goes I went to Simon Burke. <laughs> I said you did. He says, "Yeah." I said, "Well, then that, that was to you, you know." There you go. <laughs> uh, that yeah. was one memory. Uh, but it was it was so neat to meet him. He was so good to us and promoted our next song, promoted our album. He had a, on his radio show too and everything. And and that was uh, that was a pretty special pretty special moment. And maybe the other one would be while we were out there, we're driving around. They, you know, they gave us a Lincoln uh, rental to drive around. We're on Rodeo Drive, driving around, and one of the top stations in uh, Los Angeles plays our song. And, you know, you look at each other, and kind of laughed. And Gary said to me, you know, because we're, we're from Akron, he goes, yeah, not bad for a couple of yokels from Akron. <laughs> 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 we kinda laugh, but, uh, Got a tagline right there. Shows, but, uh, but the Dick Clark thing, that was pretty cool.
2: Totally, totally, yeah. Wow, so uh, Tim, can you top that?
0: <laughs> oh, come on! No,
2: I've never even met Dick Clark. I, know I know.
0: Dick Clark. I want to say something to Tim, if I may. Uh, I've done just numerous interviews, but he came at me with something very unique. You know, he wanted to talk about the culture of of those days, and I just want to say, Tim, I was just so impressed with uh, with what you know your book, what you're trying to do, and and that it was pretty pretty neat. I never had that happen before.
1: You know, I I think for me, I think that's the fascinating thing. Is like games are one thing, right? You know, and playing these games, and we can agree that Pac Man is fun, even if you're like me and you're not that great at it. I think it's so interesting that what you guys captured was sort of uh, part of the the arcade culture. You know, you guys were were in it and just kind of tapped into that zeitgeist of ascending arcade games were getting really big. There were popular arcade games before this, you know, you got. Space Invaders and Metal Command, but then to have Pac Man sort of take over the culture in that way, I think is fascinating and kind of transcendent. And uh you know, I just had you guys happen to be there at that place, right time, with the perfect song. And uh, you know, now you do it differently. You plan all that, and you said, "Oh, we're gonna, we're gonna have a hit song that goes." With-. I mean, but it wasn't manufactured. It was born out of this thing that was just in the air already. And I think that's why it speaks to so many people. And so I think that part of just, you know, your contribution, but Pac-Man as a whole, I think is interesting because there's a lot of great games and there's, you know, people who write good, you know, really interesting things about those games. I'm really fascinated. This feels like a game and a franchise that really sort of tapped into something culturally and it's much bigger
0: than the game itself. Well, I think the opening line, which Gary wrote the opening line to the song Uh, Not only did did it encompass uh, Pac-Man, but I think it spoke to the whole thing that was going on. And, And that line is used all the time in articles and magazines and even, you know, TV shows or whatever. They'll use this line. And that's the opening line, as you know. I got a pocket full of quarters. And I'm headed to the arcade. I mean, that kind of summed it up.
2: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was like a line that kind of like transcended like, you know, beyond like your song, obviously. And like as you said, I mean it's been used in articles, like countless articles, honestly. I've I've seen that line so many times. It's like, oh, here we go again with the reference. You know. Yeah, so Yeah. And we don't get a penny for that, by the way. Mm, <laughs> mm.
1: I want a quarter every time someone says it.
2: <laughs> I know exactly. Got a quarter burning in my pocket. <laughs> Guys,
0: I hate to do this. I hate to do this to you, but I'm gonna have to jump off the conversation. I got somebody waiting downstairs. I hope nobody hates me for that.
2: No, no, sure. I mean, Jerry, it was, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on to share your stories, uh, but before you hop off, uh, where could people go in order to find you online?
0: Uh, well, uh, bucknergarcia.com and and I don't know how many folks know, but we we have a special video uh Friday to celebrate uh the uh you know, the 40th anniversary of, of Pac-Man. We're we're going to do a live feed starting at noon and do a little bit of uh uh Q&A in the beginning and some Q&A afterwards, but we have a, it's a, a Zoom video, and we've got all the original people back to play on it. We took an old video that Gary and I had done, a live video, and they were able to put it together in the video and, and hook it and sync it up, and so he's singing the song, and, and I'm on there and all the people that played on it, and, uh, and so we're going to show that video. It's, it's a cool, very cool video. I think you guys w- would enjoy it. And then uh, and they have some more talk and a couple of guests. Billy Mitchell is going to be on the show. All you got to do to watch it is go to uh, bucknergarcia.com around noon on this Friday. And it's going to be streamed and he's going to be on Twitch. It's going to be all over the place. So uh, we hope you guys have a chance to come by and, and check it out. And I want to thank everybody online here. Uh, I didn't get a chance to meet everybody, uh, whatever, but I uh, uh, I enjoyed being on the show and, and, and like seeing all of you the best I could here on the online and uh thanks for having me on the show very appreciate it dave
2: absolutely likewise thanks jerry take care so with that uh tim why don't you tell us uh, as far as like some of your favorite pac-man games and memories
1: you know it's been interesting so all this year i've been going through all these different pac-man games and kind of revisiting them and you know i think the thing that just is kind of it's not one game that particularly stands out but i've just been really amazed at how many versions of pac-man are everywhere
2: so many yeah
1: (laughs) just seeing how people have innovated in small ways or big ways and you know i have two little kids and we've been so i've been of course dad can't play every version of pac-man i'll let them play as well and uh it's just really fun to like dig into like the the back catalog of pac-man games and one of the ones that we played recently that i thought uh, we were just blown away with how much It was. It really reminded me of how much fun Pac-Man can be. Was the Nintendo version of Pac-Man by uh, Tengen? Yeah, Tengen. uh, It was. It's wonderful, and it has a head-to-head Pac-Man version where one, you know, you can play cooperative or head-to-head, and one and one person is Miss Pac-Man, and one person is Pac-Man. And my kids are like literally screaming at each other, (laughs) like in a good in a good way, you know. But they were having so much fun, and my kids are little and just reminded me of how much fun this game is you know you connect with it at that, at a particular age like I did with the original mm-hmm. and uh, it, it really sticks with you
2: I mean it, I think it's just kind of like a testament really to again that, that so easy to pick up and play type of like play style that Pac-Man brings and how anyone can just kind of like you know just pick up and play it and understand like what you have to do but you know as far as like adding in that competitive nature to it I think definitely goes a long way And, um, you know, as far as like for me, I mean, like Pac-Man Battle Royale, uh, the game that they have in the arcades right now. Uh, is actually really really fun because it's basically four player Pac-Man. Uh, they make the maze smaller. Uh, they still have un- you know having like the ghosts and everything, but like the power dots allow you to eat the other Pac-Man as well. <laughs> um, nice. So it just kind of like turns into like almost like this arms race in a sense, like we're just like looking for the power pellet in order to take everyone else out um, or to like lead them into like a ghost uh, when they're trying to chase you or whatever. So um, so I I always had like a lot of fun with that and also Championship Edition as well. I mean like that was the game to have on Xbox Live. Uh, as far as the xbox 360 games are concerned but uh it it was just like so good so fast paced and like you know it kind of brought back that whole um old school idea of like score chasing and going for the high score and like trying to beat your friends and all that and it it was just absolutely amazing it really it was just really cool to see that uh kind of like arcade culture come back in a way but on xbox 360 it was was really really cool totally no that's a really fun game and i
1: i love that because it's a Clever reimagining. I think that's the interesting thing about Pac-Man is it's so simple and it's so fundamentally uh, just sort of stripped down to the absolute essentials that when you do build back on it, almost like it's a canvas, you know, you can add certain things and it still feels fundamentally Pac-Man, which I think is just an absolute testament to the great design of it and how fun it is because you can add things like four-player or creative or... Change the game mechanics just very slightly,
2: and it still feels like Pac-Man. Totally, totally, yeah. Uh, how about you, there, Ajahn, As far as like favorite Pac-Man games or games in the Pac-Man franchise?
3: <laughs> yeah, the championship is nice, and uh, the 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 Smash Bros is very uh, character is very nice to play with.
2: <laughs> yeah, dumping fire hydrants on people in the sky.
3: <laughs> yeah, so that's cool. But it's it's a game full of mayhem, so you want to try out all the all the characters. As so, you know, Pac-Man is is, is like, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I keep coming back to the, to like the the, the old arcade uh, version, and and what I like about that perhaps most, and perhaps it's a question for you guys. I, I'm thinking the one of the things that make the the, the arcade games so unique is it's it's uh, it's so minimalist you ca- can't take anything away from it, and in that sense, it's perfect, right? Mm. It's it's a um, um, it's a different game from all the games that that were out there uh, back in the day. Uh, and suddenly everything is just right, and everything plays well. And as you say, David, uh, it's easy to pick up, very hard to master, very hard to get a high score. And I, I I, don't think the other Pac-Man games ever came, nothing came near it. I mean, Mrs. Pac-Man, of course, is like a, a Pac-Man on steroids. Um, but like the newer games, some of them just aren't there. So maybe that's a question for you guys. Uh, is the, the 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 first game ever been like overtaken by a newer version in terms of playability and fun. And-
2: I mean, I know for me that's Championship Edition. I mean, that's always going to be the Pac-Man game that I can always go back to and play. Um, that's not to say I can't always go back and play the original game as well. Uh, I certainly can, but if I had to, like, you know, gun to the head, like, pick one, it would probably be Championship <laughs> Edition, honestly. Like, it's just, like, you know, it's just that much fun, and it kind of, like, speaks to me more with the, th- you know, with, like, the type of games that I like to go for, which are more Twitch-based and more skill-based. And, um, you know, as far as, like, you know, chasing after, like, the high score in a way that is, you know, it kind of, like, takes that, you know, that kind of concept from the original game and it amps up to 11, as I said. So, yeah.
1: think for me i i do go back to the original i feel like pac-man is like the og you know and it's like the best and the the purest version of it but then it feels like miss pac-man is sort of like it took the formula and almost perfected it yeah you know Now, i mean all that being said as i would say i'm a mediocre pac-man player
2: (laughs) (laughs) and joined the club there yeah
1: (laughs) but you know i think it's but the original is just so fundamentally good like arjan said that like just can't take away anything else from it and i think it's it's so it's so boiled down and it's so reduced to like the bare essentials that uh it just feels like that's the only way it could be and i think that's you know it's just a testament to the game design but also it's just really fun they could have done more you know and you know it. iwatani talked about you know they could have on pac-man and they really wanted to keep it simple because they felt like that was a pandora's box that once you open it you know suddenly you're putting you know all kinds of you know dressing on top of what you know is fundamentally just a great game
2: totally yeah yeah and like that's kind of like the um what we were talking about before actually as far as like just like the simple design of pac-man uh not only in its essential in visual style but like in terms of like the gameplay um it's kind of like that mickey mouse effect really as far as like being able to like recognize like the silhouette of a character whereas like pac-man basically is the silhouette but yellow <laughs> so it's it just kind of like uh, you know again this just kind of speaks again to that uh, great design really of the character and of like the game that follows up with it it's just like that perfect marriage really in that sense i
1: think it's really interesting too because it's not especially 40 years in The only entry point to Pac-Man, you know, is not the game, right? You know, in 1980, that was the case, right? The only entry point to Pac-Man was you had to play the game to know what it was. But now there's so many ways to get introduced to Pac-Man, come at it. It's almost like it's not that the game doesn't matter. it, It means that could come in watching the TV show or the CG animated series or have Pac-Man bedsheets or (laughs) go to the store and pick up Pac-Man candy. I mean, there's so many ways to sort of engage with that character and engage with that brand as you sort of come alongside the games, which I think brings something different to a simple game like Pac-Man. Suddenly you're like, oh, I know about that world with, you know, Inky and Blinky and Sue. You know, you you already have something that you're bringing to this simple game, which I think really makes a difference.
2: Totally. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, because you kind of like reminded me a bit, too, of like the other merchandise that's out there for Pac-Man. And it it does feel like that there's like an uptick of of Pac-Man merch uh, out there lately, just because like retro gaming has become more popular. Um, but certainly back then, I mean, you mentioned with like the bed sheets, uh, I think there was like Pac-Man soup, like Campbell soup or something like that as well. Um, I know Spaghettios, the SpaghettiOs, that's it. That's it. Right. Right. Um, and I know lately as well, uh, at least I could find in Newberry comics uh, around here in Boston, uh, there is, um, I think like the Pac-Man like energy drink as well as like the power pellet energy drink or whatever. So... <laughs> So they can make like Pac-Man pretty much into like anything these days. The scenes, but. Um, I do have some listener responses here as well, uh, from other people who are sharing their favorite Pac-Man games and memories, uh, starting off here with Chris Wilson, who says I was in the top 300 on Pac-Man championship edition DX on Xbox 360. So that one it's twitchy, like Robotron. I like it. So, um, so, uh, Tim, you mentioned that you weren't all that good, uh, with Pac-Man, but did you feel like that you were better with championship edition or any other Pac-Man game?
1: you know i think i'm i'm not bad at championship edition but i'm trying not to work on it i'm basically trying to play through the whole year and stretch, you know, stretch it out so I, I think i'm pretty good at that but you know i like to play play more of them in the arcades you know the games that you can actually you know walk up to mm. i feel like i enjoy that experience more than uh online playing with people but that probably just showing my age there
2: yeah, yeah totally totally uh arjan i wasn't sure like with uh with what your skill is i guess with pac-man
3: oh it's it's i think it's worse than tim's <laughs> <laughs>
2: let's see who's worse it's a battle right now <laughs> battle right
3: now I, yeah who is close to zero? No, I'm I'm <laughs> um I, I'm I think I'm a bit atypical. I mean I've been a, g- a video game writer for a long time now. I've I've done a couple of books on, on video games and mm-hmm. I go into studios and I talk to all the designers and all the developers and everyone. And of course the question comes up every now and then, uh, you know, are you a gamer? What types of games do you play? But um and on the one hand, yes I am a gamer, but I'm sort of I'm sort of snacking from everything because you know, I want to 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 know like the whole field and trying out different games, but only, you know, playing so much uh, uh, from them.
2: Mm. Um, as long as they're not, like, approaching you in, like, a snarky way. It's like, do you
3: even game, bro? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, they're, they're friendly uh, most of the time. So. That's good. No, but it's a sort of it's a sort of an, an idea that, you know, that when you want to write about video games or talk about video games in, in shows like these, uh, that you need to be, like, an avid gamer and, and know your games inside out. Um, and I think I do know them inside, inside out, but looking from a distance in right i mean as a writer as i'm a historian too you need to have a certain distance to 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 the topics you you write about and then Mm -hmm. so it can be a little bit in your way so i don't really feel the need to to jump into every pac-man game that's out there i'm very grateful that tim is doing that stuff so (laughs)
2: he's got that cover for you
1: you can live vicariously through my mediocre playing. <laughs>
3: yeah. Besides playing Pac-Man, I mean, and I loved, I love to play Pac-Man. Don't get me wrong, but besides that, it's it's totally fun researching Pac-Man. And what Tim and I are doing for the for the book we're doing is, uh, we go going through every source we can find. Uh, we do an interviews with everyone we can find to find the right narrative on Pac-Man. Like, what what was it like? I mean, something happened back in 1979 uh, at Namco in Tokyo and you know a year later it was a worldwide phenomenon what happened in that year and it's such an amazing story which has all these components that that you know for as as tim just said you know part of it is the video game but but, but another part is the culture around it and you know having the, the quarters in your pocket going to the arcades and what you notice is like okay pac-man comes along and then then all of a sudden everything starts moving like a f- very fast pace mm. uh, in that in that industry and everyone is sort of uh, looking at each other, like what, what is happening? How, how long will it last? And so it's it's fun reading the industry news. It's fun, you know, going back to the arcade era to, to the golden age of arcade games. It's also great fun to see how these things were produced. To to look at the technolo- te- technological side, sorry, um, and look at things like that. And it's, it's just an amazing era to study to look at. And totally, yeah, with with, with or without playing the actual Pac-Man game.
2: Mm. And um, to kind of like speak also uh, in terms of like what you said as far as like not, you know, not playing every Pac-Man game or maybe not having that like, you know, as much like uh, on hand experience, if you will, with like a lot of the games that you might like talk about or write about. Um, I mean, like I think like a lot of it is just like the experience and like knowing as far as like what these games entail and certainly like, the history behind it certainly goes like a long way with that. Uh, I mean, as you mentioned, as far as, like, with, like, Namco uh, back back in 1979, like, coming up with a game, and a year later, all of a sudden, it's a worldwide hit, and, like, you know, it's, like, having this huge property now on their hands. Um, it, it is incredible, really, to kind of see something go from, like, nothing to, you know, to something that huge and uh, still be as huge as, as it is today. I mean, like, it's, it's just incredible, really, to see... Pac-Man is still very much of a commodity within the gaming industry, and um, it, it's just incredible to see, and, uh, you know, like, honestly, I you know, I, I want to give you credit as well, even, you know, even if you kind of discount your gaming, I don't know, gaming cred or gaming skills or whatever it is, um, you still are very much of, like, an important voice, really, in terms of, like, talking about gaming.
3: Thank you, yeah. And, and I also think you 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 shouldn't underestimate you know that the, the amount of time you need to spend to play every Pac-Man game. Right. I mean, what, what, Tim, what Tim is doing, what Tim is doing, is really extraordinary. Uh, I did a book before on Sonic the Hedgehog too. And I think Sonic, we, we wrote this softology in the back of the book, and it was like 279 games or something like that that had Sonic in them. So it's like, okay, go play that, right? Right. Uh, <laughs> to, to get your impression about all the Sonic games. So I think Pac- Pac-Man has a lot, lot less, uh, the, the number is a bit lower, but, but still, you know, so it's a lot of work.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. And the next listener response here is from Sebastian uh per- Pergoda, I believe, uh, or Prigoda, uh, who says this one time when you could play Pac-Man on Google Maps. I don't know if you remember that, I Tim, know. where it had like the Easter egg where uh where, where like Google Maps actually turned into a Pac-Man board and you actually move Pac-Man around on like whatever street you looked on.
1: Yeah, actually I uh the developers who did that first Google Doodle, uh, this was before the first there was the Google playable logo and then there was the maps version which was kind of the sequel the very first one actually a friend of mine who was uh, Goog- at google at the time uh, was the one of the programmers on that uh seen wickery and uh he uh you know he talked about it we actually i actually played it earlier in this year it was actually not that long ago it was kind of fun to si- to see the links with which they went to try and make it as accurate as they could you know, in this browser-based situation where you're just using keys on your keyboard I think it's just so fun. Somebody calculated, I I don't remember the number now, but how many, you know, millions of hours of like lost productivity (laughs) that people had that day that they released that. And just, I think that's a testament to like, you just pick it up and play it for a few minutes. And I think that will always be important, right? Because, you know, there's some games where you sit down and you're going to, it's like a part time job to write, to get really good at some of these games. And I think there will always be something always be a space for games that you can pick up you can figure it out in a few minutes you can play for a little bit and then you can just you know step away and uh, pac-man does that and it feels like a very great you know, small meal it's not this 6 course crazy thing that you're there for days and days it's just this really small meal and it's deeply satisfying for that short amount of time mm, it's like brunch in that case yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes. Pac-Man is like the avocado toast of video games.
2: <laughs> well, there's a clip if I ever heard one right there. <laughs> and uh, moving on here to John Shurink, who simply shares this photo, which I am uh, posting in the chat here for you guys. Uh, it's this LCD Pac-Man game. It's, it's from Ectron. it says. And uh, yeah, it basically looks like kind of like a Tiger Electronics toy or like a Game and Watch, basically, but of Pac-Man. So I'm not sure if either of you have played that.
1: I haven't played that i actually i've never seen that one which is saying a lot because i've played a whole lot of these teeny tiny crappy Pac-Man versions there's a lot here. of them out there yeah <laughs> yes. oh and i've i have the eye strain to prove it
2: but that looks really fun
1: i would i would play that
2: totally i've definitely seen some other pac-man lcd games but yeah like once i saw this it was like oh they're clearly trying to spoof on the game and watch but it's not an official game and watch thing so I have no idea. Like it's just kind of meant to be like the hand thing or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, it was a pretty cool find there. So, but that's definitely one to look into for, for sure. Like as far as like history, Pac Man games. Anyway.
1: <laughs> there you go. Thank you for uh, doing my work for me.
2: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, I got your back. Um, And then there's Jeff Gilligan, who says, I'm slightly better at Miss Pac-Man, but I was fully in the grip of Pac-Mania back in the day. I had the record, watched the cartoons, played those scratchy trading card games, had the board game, and would eventually choose Pac-Man with a K as my online handle, a play on game packs. So it's pretty cool there. Uh, Then there's my friend Roberta Vaughn, who says, "Miss Pac-Man, I have so many memories playing that at the bowling alley in the little town I grew up in. And, um, yeah, I mean, we touched upon it earlier, but, I mean, like, a lot of people uh, who are, like, Pac-Man purists, if you will, uh, they do kind of consider Miss Pac-Man to be the um, to be the kind of, like, superior version of the original game in a lot of ways. I think just because of, like, um, you know, the fact that there were, like, different mazes and also, like, with like, uh, with, like, with you know, with the way that the enemies move and, like, you know, having it being faster as well. So it's, like, definitely something that uh, people who are, like, hardcore players of the original game certainly appreciated. So, uh, so it was really cool to see, like, how that transitioned uh, that way. Um, and then there's Tim Forrest, who says, I love the fact that almost every 80s and 90s film used the sound effects from Pac-Man 2600 to represent every video game ever, which that is so true as far as, like, seeing, like, not only in movies but also in TV shows, too. Like, they would just use, like, stock gaming, like, sound effects, and the stock sound effects were always from, like, Pac-Man or Donkey Kong or whatever, like the old, like, you know, kind of the golden age of, of arcade games, basically. Uh, it was really, really interesting. Um and here's an interesting one here from Peter Vusamillo who says CD Man for the Win. It was a blast as a kid, very polished and offered something different than a straight Pac-Man clone. Uh so CD Man, I had to do a little bit of research into, but it is basically uh like a DOS Pac-Man clone type of game uh with like spiders and stuff. So I'm not sure if you guys played it at all.
1: Yeah, I did. There was a lot, of, especially in the late 80s, there were a lot of these sort of unauthorized DOS games you know, floating out there, and it was just about which one would you copy from your friends? You know, oh, I've got this disc. I'll just copy it.
2: All right, and like the floppy.
1: <laughs> exactly, exactly. So there's a lot of that stuff, especially if your parents were going to pony up for the uh, the uh, more expensive, official Pac-Man version. I totally played this game. It's fun.
2: Yeah, that's awesome, yeah. Uh, then there's Christian Sadler, who says, Pac-Man World 2 is my favorite. You get a decent platformer and the ability to unlock the classic Pac-Man games as you played. I remember beating it at my grandparents' house and feeling so accomplished. So uh, I do remember, uh, a lot, you know, a lot of these, like, home release of, like, Pac-Man games that were, like, you know, kind of trying something new or being platformers or whatever. Uh, they would usually have the original arcade game as, like, an, an, uh, and, like, unlockable within the game itself. Um, but, yeah, Tim and Arjun, I'm not sure if you guys played Pac-Man World 2 or, like, any of the Pac-Man World games because I think there were three of them total.
1: I haven't played them yet, but they're on my list this year. I'm I'm excited. I'm actually kind of excited to go in there, like totally clean, never having played them. So,
2: but I have, I have not done it yet. No, me neither. Next one here is from Tony Dillon, who says, my fave game of all time is the original Pac-Man. Since I first experienced it in the arcade, I was hooked and now own at least one version of the game on every single console that I own or have ever owned. And it never gets old. A true timeless classic. So definitely a hardcore player there for sure. <laughs> uh then there's ian baines who says Pacland, land but only because it reminds me of being a kid at a holiday camp and it was the only arcade machine there still fun though so <laughs> no, yeah. uh, it's, it's pretty cool uh then there's michael hennessy here who says original pac-man sit-down coffee table style cabinet local milk bar god knows how many hours Breaking the game at level 255, where the screen corrupts and you can't really progress any further. True story. I had been sitting down for so long without a break that I passed out when I stood up. Scared the crap out of the shop owner. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> so um, I imagine that none of us uh, have reached level 255 in order to get to um, in order to get to like basically the glitch screen. Um, but I have seen uh, certainly footage of it anyway, and uh, that glitch screen uh, became so famous actually that they actually made like a whole game out of it too.
1: <laughs> and it's and it's two fifty six, right? That's the two fifty six.
2: Yeah, because I think two fifty five is when the corruption starts happening, or like when the corruption starting to get bad, and and the two fifty six is I think is when it locks up or when you can't just do anything anymore.
1: I've never gotten there. Like I said, I'm not good enough to.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Totally, yeah. I mean, like, I've certainly seen it, but, uh, I mean, yeah, definitely haven't done it myself, for sure. Uh, And then the last one here is from my buddy Mike Milky or Mike Milk. I'm not quite sure, actually, how his last name is pronounced, but I'll have to ask him sometime. Um, So he says, Back in middle school, I used to spend the entire back end of Friday through Monday morning trying to reach the final level of Pac-Mania on Genesis. I stared my eyes dry many times as I focused on the sound of eating dots, wondering why the game froze constantly. Even when the Genesis crashed, I began anew, ready to reach new heights of Pac excellence. When Pac-Man World was released on PS1, I rented it often and loved exploring its landscapes. I feel it is up there with Spyro, Rayman, and Rayman 2. Um, so I imagine this is also like another game that you're working your way up to, Tim.
1: I've played Pac-Mania before, and I actually think it's really fun. It's, it does it adds just enough to Pac-Man that I feel like it's different with like the isometric 3D, and then you know the ability to jump. I think it's, but it doesn't try and do too much. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a really fun game.
2: Yeah, I know I played this at um, was a fun spot over in Laconia, New Hampshire. Um, you know, because I know they have it over there. That, that was like the only time I think I've played it, and uh, it definitely threw me for a loop as far as like being able to jump. Like I actually, I would, I'll would keep forgetting the fact I had a jump button because you're just not used to thinking that you can jump in Pac-Man. <laughs> you know. Right. So, uh, but it, it was like a really cool style, uh, certainly with the isometric viewpoint and, um, you know, just having that, that style actually like transition itself, I know over to, uh, the championship edition actually, in terms of like how like the, um, the walls looked cause like they had like very Lego style kind of like blocks like to them <laughs> pretty much. So, uh, it was pretty cool to see all that, but yeah, thank you for everyone for sharing your favorite Pac-Man games and memories. Definitely a lot of good ones there. And uh, yeah, I just want to give uh, some quick shout outs here to our patrons who are $2 and up as Francisco Limas, Mac the Ball, Michael Butler, and Rosaline De La Russo. So thank you very much, everyone, for helping support the show. And if you too would also like to support the show, you could check us out at Patreon.com/ArCast, where you can see all the different perks and stuff. So thank you very much for helping support the show. And uh, Tim, Arjan, where can people go in order to find you guys online?
3: Website will be uh, Cook and Becker. So uh, that's C O O K. Uh, a N D B E C K E R dot com Cook and Becker. Uh, there are uh, we're an art gallery uh, from the Netherlands. Uh, oh. We we sell video game art. Oh. Uh, all, uh, everything fully licensed. So we are in the business of licensing the best concept art from video games. And there's a lot of beautiful stuff on the on the website that you can see. Um, and it's also a, a publisher of, of video game uh, books. So we did a, a couple of books. I already mentioned the Sonic uh, the Hedgehog book we did for Sega. I did a Final Fantasy XV book for Square Enix. Oh. I a book on Kill Killzone for uh, Guerrilla Games. So those books are up there. And the news about the Pac-Man book will be up there uh, also on Friday. And then people will need to wait a little bit for the announcement of the pre-orders. That will probably be the, in uh, early July. Um, and then the books will be uh, uh, on sale uh, throughout November. So that's basically the timeline we have now.
2: All right. And uh, Tim, I don't know if you have anything to add to that or where people can find you online. Uh,
1: yeah. So, I mean, I'm online at
2: uh, on Twitter
1: at, at Lapatino L-A-P-E-T-I-N-O, and then I'm also on Instagram, but then I'm also doing all things Pac-Man at 365 of Pac on both Twitter and Instagram of spooling that out through the entire year. So there's that. And then there's my books, you know, Art of Atari, which I wrote. Mm -hmm. And then Undisputed Street Fighter, which is also the same publisher was written by my friend Steve Hendershot. I was the editor on and the director
2: yeah because i know i have that book actually on my radar actually i think it's on my amazon wish list at some point to get to it but yeah it's an amazing book though for sure i've seen like a person it's really really awesome if you'd like to send us any feedback opinions retro games or topics for us to cover or anything at all really you can email us at artcast at retrozap.com and be sure to check out retrozap.com for all sorts of other amazing podcasts it's your home away from home if you're crazy about star wars animaniacs or pop culture in general there's also us with Arcast, so be sure to find us on iTunes to subscribe, give us five stars, and tell your neighbors. We're also on Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play Music, so there's absolutely no reason to not follow another retro gaming podcast. And uh, yeah, you can also follow Arcast on Twitter, at ArtPodcast, and Facebook, facebook.com slash ArtPodcast. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at Man. And yeah, that is episode 208 in the books, and until next time, keep it retro. Hi, I'm Chris Penwell from ActiveQuest. And I'm Joseph Yaden. We are a video game podcast that takes a deep dive into the news, covering the latest gaming trends and stories pertaining to the industry. We also do our best to cover the most recent games and like to have an ongoing discussion with the audience. You can contact us on Twitter at ActiveQuestShow or via email at activequestpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes if you like what you hear. You can also find us on Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, and Google Play. We appreciate you listening, everyone. And now, on to the show. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V
0: on YouTube.